going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. What is going on? And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your longest-running Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys. By the fans, that is us. As always, intro and outro music is presented by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at OceansOverAirplanes.com. If you're on Twitter, which we know you are, give us a follow. I am at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you listen on those platforms, rate, review, subscribe, do all of that good stuff. Yes, it'd be very nice. Very, very nice. Very nice. All right. So, Paul, yeah. we are the last of the 37 Phoenix Suns podcasts to do a free agency wrap-up-ish. I won't call it a wrap-up because free agency is still going, but there was a flurry, flurry of activity over the past couple of days. 36 hours, we'll call it. No, 24 hours. We're about, well, we're, 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 we're well, 30 hours in. I'll well, call it 30 hours. It technically started at, what was it, 3 o'clock? Arizona time yesterday, but I feel I like mean, it technically started like four days ago. That's like, what that's what I'm saying. It's like all the deals were leaking, so like you know, tampering's not a thing. For sure, not for sure. Everybody in the NBA, they're all on the up and up. No cheating going on here, right? Adam Silver don't care. He only cares if you like blatantly do it by like tampering while you're like a guest on the Jay Leno show. Magic Johnson. Right? Correct. That was Magic Johnson, right? Correct. Yes. Nailed it. All right. So that's me clapping because what did the Suns get so far, Paul? What did they get? And I don't want you to name the players just yet. You don't really, it doesn't matter because everybody we knows who the players a point are. Guard. But, and what else did we get? We got a backup power forward. Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly what we got. <laughs> yeah. But, but those are the two, the two. Areas of need that the Suns had. And of course, of course, and for those of you who live under rocks or stumble upon our podcast looking for, I don't know, what would Fanning the Flames be? Maybe like some Christian podcast? I'm not <laughs> sure. Right? Perhaps? I don't know. Those Possibly. two players we are referring to are Ricky Rubio and Frank. The Tank. The Tank Kaminsky. First of all, anytime you get a Pollock. Beautiful, beautiful day for any team that gets a Polish guy. I'm just going to say that. Right? You're, you're not anti-Frank the Tank because of apparently something to do with U of A? I don't want to talk about that. Let's not talk <laughs> about that. I'm not here. I'm not here, Paul, to talk about the past. I'm, I'm here to talk about the present. I'm here to talk about the future. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering because... But thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to go cry you're for a little while now. I didn't. I, I, I haven't been thinking about that, to be honest. And now I am. Now I am. Way to, way to kill the mood three minutes into the podcast. Thank you. Thank hey, you for that. It's better, it's better than a, uh, a tangent. Or is, is it, it though? No. Is, it, is yeah. it? I feel like it's not. I feel like it's not. So anyway, Ricky Rubio signed for three years, $51 million. Frank the Tank Kaminsky signed for two years, $10 million with the room exception. 
Uh, let's talk about Ricky Rubio first, Paul. Yeah, yeah. That seems to make sense, right? Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go on a timeline, and let's also go on levels of importance. We can we can hit both of those areas by going in that particular order. I will say this: in typical, I don't want to get too much. I don't want to get too much flack for this because there is some flack from the, that another bright side person got over the past couple of days, which we don't need to get into. But it all started with making a negative comment about Suns fans. But I will say this. I, I don't have the rest of the stuff, I don't believe. <laughs> like typical Suns fans, like typical Suns fans, you had so many people that were like, oh, Ricky Rubio. God, we got Ricky Rubio. He's useless. Might as well have gotten nobody. Guess what? Ricky Rubio is not Corey Joseph. It's not horribly overpaying for uh, Rozier, right? What did he get? He got three years. He got some 58, something like that. Something stupid. Yeah, he got way so, too much money. So, you know, the, the the Ricky Rubio signing, I think, well, it really, as does the Kaminsky signing, both fall very much within the direction that we see the Suns going um, or we saw the Suns going draft-wise, getting experienced guys that can come in and play. Now you get two veterans, one veteran who's been playing for, it seems like, 30 years, but he's, what, 28? 28, 29? yeah, he's not that old. And Ricky Rubio. Um, and and it, it, it adds some elder statesmanship, if you will, to the team. It adds some leadership to the team. It adds... To this team, guys who have been around the league know the ins and outs and can, you know, help. I think this team grow. But before I get into my thoughts, my opinions, Paul. Yeah, because you know, why don't you tell everybody what you think about the Ricky Rubio signing? Um, I'm I'm pleased with it. I mean, I know you know a lot of people just were looking for that home run signing. I know a lot of people, particularly, were you know on the uh, D'Lo train. Not saying I wasn't a supporter of that move, but at the same time, I can I do understand there would have been required a lot of cap machinations to allow that to happen. This is a move that apparently still requires some cap machinations, but mm-hmm. not as much. And it's a good fit for the team, in my opinion. I mean, what... Rubio has stealthily improved in his shooting. So the like the biggest weakness he has isn't I mean he's still not a great shooter but it's not an oh my god detriment it's not Ra- Rajon Rondo. So right. I mean from that standpoint I think he will fit really well again next to Booker and particularly with the fact that the rest of the moves that the Suns have made including uh Big Frank are, have been in a desperate effort to improve the sun shooting. You know, every yep. player that's been brought in has been, or that's outside of Rubio is a shooter. And so from that standpoint, I'm not worried about shooting and Rubio's inability to shoot because he's going to be surrounded by guys who shoot at above average clips. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point. Ricky Rubio is not being brought in to score the basketball. Like you said, they added Saric, who can shoot. They added Cam Johnson, who was allotted as the best shooter in the draft. 
they added Ty Jerome, who is a wonderful shooter as well. I'll just say wonderful. I don't know. Excellent qualifies, but wonderful. I'll, I'll go with. Um, they bring in Kaminsky, who, eh, you know, he's, he's a thirty-seven point three. Yeah, and he's a career thirty-five percent three-point shooter. So the guy can shoot too. That was his calling card coming into the league, and maybe in the right situation with the right guys around him, he can improve upon that. Uh, and maybe the same thing will hold true for Rubio. But you know, at the end of the day, you've got Enrique Rubio, a guy who has a ton of experience. Again, he. Not only was drafted, and here's a tidbit of information, Paul, which I shared with you before we started recording that you didn't know, so maybe people out there don't know, but he was the first player drafted in the NBA to be born in the 1990s. How about that? Look at that. You learned something today, right? And he was the fifth pick coming in, 2009 draft, stayed over in Spain for a couple of years before coming over. Um, but but to his experience, he played in the ACB, which is Spain's highest level at the age of 14. This is a guy that's been playing high-level professional basketball since he was, you know, 15 years, or excuse me, for 15 years, I should say. He, wasn't he on the Redeem team? He was, he was on the Spain team that played against the Redeem team, right? He was the starting point guard. He was like 17. Was he? I, I don't I don't know, but you very well could be right about that. Because I know that's where I, I first heard of him, and, that he, and it was before... He was going to be drafted, and he was he was playing. If it wasn't the redeem team, it was the year after. But they, he was he was light, lighting up those guys. They yeah. didn't know what to yeah. do. Yeah, and them. I mean, and you're also looking at a guy who, like we said, he for what, for what he lacks in the ability to shoot the ball, he makes up in his ability to create and his ability to distribute to his teammates. And I will say the last couple of years, if you look at strictly his assist numbers, they've been down, sure. But at the same time, the last couple of years, he's still ranked right in that top 20-ish area for assists per game in the NBA. And you look at him prior to that, uh, perhaps when you know, he was in a little bit better of a situation and what have you. Uh, he wasn't being moved around, you know, going from Minnesota to Utah. But when he was back at Minnesota, you look back to 2016, 2017, he was fifth in the NBA in assists. The year before that, he was fifth again. The year before that, or excuse me, two years before that, he was fourth. That year in between, he didn't play enough games to qualify, but he still averaged eight and 8.8 assists per game. That's the kind of guy this team needs in their offense. And let's point out, too, this is a guy that I'm going to assume We'll be able to run a pick and roll, and we're not going to have to just do, you know, dribble handoffs at the top of the key to Devin Booker every freaking possession of the game, right? Right. Yeah, that would be nice to be able to run an actual pick and roll or be able to do, like, a solid lob pass. Anything in that nature would be nice to see. Anything that anything that reflects that type of offense I think is great, and I think he's a guy that is going to be perfect from the perspective of improving – players like DeAndre Ayton, right. helping players like Devin Booker play to their strengths as opposed to Booker having to carry the load of being point book like he has for much of the past couple of seasons. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, for the value, I mean, maybe you're overpaying him some, sure, but you're also, again, not paying him what Rozier got paid 
you're not giving him 27 a mil, 27 million a year like D'Angelo's getting. Uh, it, it seems like the right move, especially when you just brought in a guy in Ty Jerome as a rookie who, while he's a rookie, he's an experienced rookie, but certainly seems like Rubio would be the right type of guy for him to build off of and learn from. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, he's, he's been around the league enough that he knows how to, you know, the biggest thing we've talked about in the past is the, um, the sun's inability to kind of control the pace and control themselves in crunch time. Mm-hmm. And he's got enough experience there that he can definitely help the team in that, in that area as well as, you know, there's the defense and hopefully that ticks back up a little bit. I mean, he had an off year last year, but overall he's always been one of the better uh, steel guys in the league. So he'll be able to cover for Booker a little bit in that area. But, and I think you bring up a really good, Oh, go ahead. ahead. I guess the other thing that it does, it really just kind of sets a hierarchy with the team just in and of itself from the standpoint of, he is clearly going to be the starting point guard. We don't have to like, and Tyler Johnson can easily fall into that backup combo guard role. So, and I, I can see the minutes balance pretty well. You know, with Tyler Johnson plays a little bit one or two guard, depending on the situation, Bridges can get some extra minutes by playing a little bit of two guard when Booker sits or if Booker's running point. So him and hopefully which we'll get to later, Kelly Oubre, if he comes back, um, you know, that balance will be there too. But um, I think it's just, it's just good to have the structure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, you brought up a good point. That is, that is Rubio's defense. Now, perhaps over the past few years, you haven't seen it to the level that we've seen in the past. Although, over the past three seasons, he's still averaged right around one and a half steals a game. You go back to 2012, 13, 2013, far. 14, and 2015, 16. Yeah. I know, I know, I get that. But he was the the steal percentage leader in the NBA each of those right. years. So the ability to play defense is there. And again, maybe it was just a situation where some of that some of that fell off when he got moved to Utah for one reason or another and maybe he's going to get himself a little bit of resurgence here coming into coming into uh Phoenix and you know I'll I'll, I'll say this right now Paul when we talked about Mike Conley in the past you brought up the whole concept of you know a player who would fit the role that Nash kind of fit in being a veteran coming into a team to provide some stability why can't Rubio fill that exact same thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's a solid double of a move. You know, it definitely wasn't a home run. It definitely definitely wasn't a you know change that like a hundred percent change the landscape of the Suns as a team going forward. But I mean, they were showing some stuff last year. They kind of figured out a core, figured out an identity, and were like showing a lot of positive stuff in the back half of that year, particularly once Ubre and Johnson came on. So um, having both of those guys back, fingers crossed, um, as well as having a guy like Rubio come in, it's almost sometimes to be respectable. It wasn't like they needed, needed major moves. They just need like, needed like some minor tweaks. And I think Rubio's that kind of player. 
but I mean, maybe we could exceed expectations, you know, though the ed- with everything that's happened in the, between the draft and free agency that, and actually even the finals, because that just kind of made the warriors up in the air even as well. So, um, the whole, the whole league is kind of up in the air of like, who's going to go where. So it is an opportunity, not that I expect it to happen, but it's an opportunity for the Suns to surprise and actually do something and be in the mix when people didn't expect that. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, if anybody out there can sit down and say that they truly believe that getting Ricky Rubio doesn't make this team a much better team, they're insane. Right. And, and I say that, of course, in the context with which we judge the Phoenix Suns. Right. I'm not saying they become a much better team and suddenly they're competing for a championship, but they become a much better team that I'm going to knock on wood and assuming health isn't going to be a team that come the end of the 2019-2020 NBA season is sitting there going, okay, where the lottery ball is going to fall, uh, they still very well might be. But more of a, what are, what are the odds we take a huge jump up as opposed to sitting there looking at it from the perspective of, God, I hope we don't drop in the lottery, you know? Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be, a, I, I don't want to say definitely, but I have confidence going into the season that, you know, between improvement of the players that are already there and these new additions kind of being players that we're not banking on hope of like potential, you know, they're accomplished mm-hmm. and, you know, theoretically have skills that can like walk in day one and can do something. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if Rubio plays to his career averages this year, and gives us 11 points, nearly eight assists, four rebounds, and almost two steals a game. Hmm. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just people forget what we started last season with. Like, it's been – and the previous season as well. It's been so long and so much shit has gone down. It's just like even a minor improvement to an average point guard – would be a major improvement to the, this team's ability to function. Right. <laughs> ability to function. I like that term. I like that term. Perhaps that should be the sun slogan this year. We now have the ability to function. It's not time to rise. Time to function. Ha- hashtag we can function. I like it. I like it, Paul. I think you're onto something. You're, you're a marketing genius, but, just a marketing genius. I and another thing I do kind of want to bring up, related to Rubio is I I saw a little bit online um, people complaining about how he doesn't fit the timeline. And I'm like, I'm God. I'm like, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. The, the timeline is we've got what the timeline is. Now you fill it out with guys at different levels around that to provide the rest. You fill out the rest of the team. You, when you have a group that is as young as the Suns, you do need older players, but you don't want yeah. older players at the end of their career. You need older players that can guide them on the court and can actually be effective. And it's not like Rubio's that old. He's 28. 
he's still got right. three or four years left of his prime at worst. And on top of that, he's not like he's the most athletic point guard in the world. So his game is much more cerebral, which means it'll most likely age mm-hmm. better, similar to Nash's. I, right, right. And, and, and you look at him. Yeah. And well, and you look at him too. And the thing you have to like about Rubio is the fact that, you know, while he's only played 82 games once in his NBA career, outside of his fourth season where he only played 22, he's consistently up there uh, in the 70s and last year played 68 games. And, you know, when you look at a team that has lost as many players to injury as they have over the past couple of years, uh, whether it be legit injuries or tanking injuries, uh, and and you look at like a guy like TJ Warren, who barely saw the court. I mean, if you really think about it, and okay, maybe he played more than 50% of the games, but that's not exactly something to write home about. Uh, adding Adding some level of consistency there in terms of a guy who's going to be on the court more often than not, uh, or at least at a high, high, high degree or a high percentage of games is, is certainly ideal, especially at a position that's as pivotal as the point guard position is in the NBA. Right. Exactly. All right. So any, any additional thoughts there on the Spanish sensation, the guy with the second most beautiful eyes on the team behind Kelly Oubre? Um, we're going to have a really attractive Wing so handsome guard rotation <laughs> so handsome like the suns are slowly moving towards hottest team nba history i'll say that much okay no 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 comment from paul there okay just silence silence <laughs> and shocked silence on that comment okay well you know what on that well, note we let's did, take we a quick did, break oh Frank, Ooh, Frank okay. Kaminsky, so that kind of bounces out. how dare you sir how dare you i hear he's a heartthrob in poland Okay. I just made that up, but I, I hear it. It's in my head. I hear it in my head. That's where I hear it from. Okay? Okay. All right. So can we, can we take a break now? Yes. Before we get into the aforementioned Frank the Tank Kaminsky, we will go ahead and take a quick break. All right. So the other move the Suns have made thus far in free agency is to, as we mentioned before the break, sign Frank Kaminsky. Wisconsin Badger... Wildcat killer, thank you, Paul. You're welcome. And all around good guy. I just, I don't know. I felt like I should throw that in there. I needed like a third way to describe him. That's the first <laughs> thing that popped in my head. But Paul, what are your what are your thoughts on the Kaminsky signing? Two years, ten million dollar room exception. Go. I'm just kind of eh on it, but I mean, if you're getting a player for the for the cap team or the room exception, you're not getting the greatest players in the world. So, you know, you just don't want to screw it up. And I don't think they screwed it up. I mean, they got a guy who has shot pretty well for his position. So from a standpoint of being able to continue, like having the same structure of like having Sarge be the starter and being able to be kind of where that stretch for, you also bring in the same thing with Frank. Um, Honestly, my biggest thing, though, is I was kind of hoping that whoever they went for with that backup would be more of a rebounder, like defender, shot blocker kind of thing, because Sarich clearly isn't that great of a de- defender. Kaminsky's mm-hmm. not a great defender. I mean, 
Aiton hasn't proven himself as a defender yet, and people have had concerns of that going into his drafting as it is. So um, from that standpoint, I have some concerns about um, the defensive capabilities of the Suns' front, front court. So I was I was kind of hoping for a guy like Noah Vonley. I thought that would have been a nice fit. But, that, but I mean, I'm not against Frank Kaminsky. He, he fits what we're trying to do at a price that works. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have minded if that second year was a team option. You know, yeah. But, you know, it's still only a two-year contract. Yeah, I mean, two years at $10 million bucks isn't going to crush anybody either. I mean, yeah, that's, that's not exactly breaking the bank for him. I think you're yeah. paying – a value that he's probably worth, and 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 frankly, you know, maybe maybe he could he, maybe he could be even worth a little bit more than that. And let me let me go let me go full podcast of optimism here when it comes to Frank Kaminsky, and tell you that in three of his last five games last season, <laughs> wow, small sample size leader. Oh, I'm going. Hey, you know what? It's the end of the year. He's We're like, go I'm in my contract here. Let me show what I can, let me show what I can do. But you know he went he went for twenty one and six twenty two and thirteen twenty four and five fourteen and five and four assists and a steal in another game you know he he shows flashes and those are games I will say also that at least in the first three that I railed off that he played more minutes than he really would generally play in any other game throughout the season because last year he averaged. Now I lost it, but last year he averaged, I'm going to keep talking till I can find it. He averaged 16 minutes a game last year, right? Those those three games that I railed off, not including that 14-point game, but in the 21, 22, 24-point games, he played 28, 36, and 27. Maybe he's one of those guys that just needs a little more burn, and he gets his feet under him, he gets into the rhythm of the game, and starts playing a little better. Hmm, who knows? Who, who knows? knows? I mean, Maybe and, that's what James Jones was thinking. And he had a lot of pressure in Charlotte. As somebody brought up also online, I can't remember who, I apologize because I just read things and don't bookmark them, but they had mentioned that um, Kaminsky might be have a similar situation to Alex, our good friend Alex Len, where he's kind of brought in with a, you know, some hype, you know, he was coming off being a national champion. He was the uh, ninth pick in the draft. Ninth pick in the draft. On top of that, that was a pick that um, the Miami Heat were trying to, or the Boston Celtics were trying to trade for, um, and they were willing to offer Charlotte four first-round picks to get that ninth pick, and Charlotte mm-hmm. turned them down to draft Frank Kaminsky, so that put a lot of pressure on him that I don't think he lived up to. He clearly didn't live up to since they let him go. Um, so maybe just a change of scenery where that pressure isn't there and he can kind of just fit into a role might help no I, I i agree and and you know kaminsky like i said coming into the nba was kind of known as that stretch four uh and and i think you're right there were some heavy expectations on him coming in and maybe the change of scenery will do him do him well and uh he is a guy that if i recall correctly was even floated around as a potential for the phoenix suns in that 2015 draft so I think him getting drafted at nine certainly worked out well for the Suns because, you know, 
certain guy named Devin Booker ended up being on our team, which I think will take, you know, the five years we've had of him over the, you know, time Kaminsky had out there. But interesting tidbit, the Suns now have three of the top 15 picks from that 2015 (laughs) draft on their team, Paul. Oh, yeah? Did you know that? I did not. I'm blanking on who the other one is. Think about it. You're having keep thinking. Yeah, you don't want to waste this much dead air. Just tell me. Okay, and 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 I'll say I, I should have I should have prefaced that with they technically still have the rights to this guy, but Kelly Oubre was the fifteenth pick. Oh yeah, pick. duh. So they've got Kaminsky, they've got Book, and they've got Oubre sitting there on that team. So you know. If they would have landed D'Angelo Russell, they would have three of the top 15 picks. Or, excuse me, four of the top 15 picks. Yes. Uh, But obviously that didn't come to fruition. And I'm okay with it. I've I've come to to peace with D'Angelo Russell not being on the Suns. And, you know, would I have liked to have him there? Yeah, sure. But I'm not exactly losing sleep over him not being on the Suns. Well, there are reports that... The Warriors might just essentially be renting him for a year. Like they signed him to the contract with the intent of, okay, he's filling in because Clay is out. And then mm-hmm. they're going to trade him, maybe even as soon as the trade deadline this year, to like a team that maybe couldn't make the cap machinations work to be able to free up the requisite cap to sign him. But, you know, so he may be a future target for the Suns. He may be a future target for Minnesota or somewhere else. For all we know, just they, they wanted him to kind of fill in the gap and they know he has a market and they know because they're the Warriors, his market value will probably increase playing for them than if he might've played somewhere else. It's like, that's very interesting. It's, when Bob Myers said that they're light years ahead of other teams in this league, this is like that exact type of move. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Frank Kaminsky, back back to him. Yeah, uh, you know, and 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 I'll repeat what we said earlier too, and that is the signing of Kaminsky. I think again, just further reinforces the blueprint that James Jones and um, Jack Bauer. (laughs) Now I'm forgetting his real Jeff, Jeff Bauer, Jeff, Jack Bauer uh, have for this team. And that is, you know, put some guys on the floor that can spread the floor that can stretch it out. Give Aiton his room to operate down low. Give Booker room to do what he does in terms of penetrating and trying to create opportunities for himself. Give Rubio and room. yeah, and I was going to say exactly that. Put put the put the ball most of the time into the hands of a an accomplished and competent ball handler who can distribute, who can see the floor. And who can create for for the team and make make the guys around him better? I mean, Rubio's in a situation where really there's there's, you know, and I'm not saying he hasn't been in a situation before where he's been you know not the best player on the floor and there's not pressure on him to to succeed, but he really is 
about as far away from the focal point of the offense, if you will, at least scoring wise, as as you could expect a point guard to be. Right. And I mean, if if the rest of the moves that the Suns are trying to do, which I think there's really probably only one left, um, if all that works out, we don't need Rubio to score. We've got guys who can put points up. Yeah. And I don't want Rubio score. I don't want Rubio shooting. He doesn't need to shoot. Just shoot if you need to shoot. But right. That's it. Yeah. Shoot, shoot it. if you need to shoot, but definitely be shoot enough that they have to actually respect you. Right. 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 Well, anything else there on Kaminsky? How about how about if, if not? Nope. Then why don't we talk about perhaps some of the folks, some of the players that were floated around, whether it be in rumors about the Suns, whether it be just about in Suns Twitter, whether it be in your own demented little head, wherever it might be, that the Suns didn't hit on. And how do you feel about them missing out on a guy like like a Rozier, like a Patrick Beverly, like a D'Angelo Russell? Um, missing out on them, but landing Rubio, landing Kaminsky, and we'll get into it still, but presumably bringing back Kelly Oubre. Right. Um, so I'm not super bummed about... Uh losing out on Rozier. Cause I mean, for the money that they're asking for him for, he hasn't outside of that one stint in the playoffs. He's like a 38% shooter. He's not, he hasn't truly proven it yet. So, and I mean, this last season definitely depressed his value. I was actually really surprised he got 58 million. Um, like when that deal came through, it was like, Holy crap. Like yeah, fifty eight million for four years. Sure, that's not a reason. That's a reasonable deal. But fifty eight for three, granted, right. three you're getting off the contract sooner. So worst case scenario, you know you're only kind of tied up for three years. But um, that was a, it. Was an interesting pivot for Charlotte, like lo- losing Kemba to basically replace him with the backup for the team that Kemba went to. Um, <laughs> It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it works out for them. Um, you know, the D'Angelo Russell thing we talked about, I mean, it would have taken a lot to get the Suns to be in a position to be able to sign him, and it would have hampered the Sun, the team's ability to continue to improve. So, and on top of that, I mean, Russell has a lot of similar flaws to Booker, so it's not like they cover for each other. So, which is actually right. was kind of interesting about him going to the Warriors because he kind of has similar flaws to uh, um, Curry. Mm-hmm. So that just means they're amplified because you don't have somebody to cover for it, especially with Clay out. That's going to be an interesting backcourt. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting backcourt. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, two point guards or two combo guards, I guess yeah. you call them. Yeah, I mean. Which one do you think becomes the more ball dominant, if you will? Because I mean, obviously, with Steph and Clay, Steph, Steph, yeah. yeah. But with those two guys, what do you do? I mean, I almost see D'Angelo being the one that's going to handle the ball more. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if um, they um, Draymond kind of gets back into that kind of focal point that he was in the pre-Kevin Durant teams. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting. You know, you got these two guys who can just kind of run around like bats out of hell, can take somebody off the dribble, but can also shoot. And he just gets them in the right spot. And like, okay, now you're, you can either take the shot or you can take the guy off the dribble and, and bring it in. Yeah. That's the, man, the NBA is going to be interesting this year. Yeah. Like, I don't know how else to really say it. It's going to be interesting. I think there are going to be teams that are going to be both ways, surprisingly good and surprisingly, I don't want maybe bad isn't the right word, but I think there'll be teams that fall off as surprising. Right. Yeah. Teams that we're just kind of used to being perennial, like play, like top seed or playoff teams may take a step back that we are really prepared for just because like the way play new players mash, you know, various things. Um, like another good example would be like Malcolm Brogdon. That's like another name that kept popping up. Uh, this one I'm actually more disappointed on just because the number is reasonable. You know, four years, 85. I mean, really kind of the big hit is that it was a trade. So like there were picks involved. And, you know, also, I mean, Indy had the space available that they could do it. I think that's, I think he's going to pair really well with Victor Oladipo. Um, so that's, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think that trade makes all the sense in the world for Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, what, a first rounder and two future second yeah. rounders for, for Brogdon in the sign yeah, trade? four years, you 85, know. which is nothing. Um, I actually won that one signing that's actually rather interesting to me, just speaking of uh, Kelly Oubre, is the Harrison Barnes signing. I'm afraid he got four years, 85. Same deal, basically same deal as uh, Brogdon. So I'm just afraid that's setting a bar that Uber is going to want to hit. And because so much time has passed and so much cap space has been eaten up, his he missed out on his market opportunity for, for better or for worse. Better for the Suns, arguably, because they're mm-hmm. hopefully get him at a more reasonable number from from their standpoint. But what will that do from an attitude perspective, you know, for him? I might, I just have a concern there that he's, he may reluctantly accept the deal just because like, that's what's the best deal in front of him. But then he comes in going like, Hey, I should be getting X, Y, or Z. And, you know, you guys should have, you know, for what I did for this team, even if that was a short amount of time, you know, the fans love me. The um, the rest of the players love me. I brought a lot of energy and whatnot that kind of revitalized the season a little bit, even still with all the – he's had a shitty-ass record. Um, is he wanting something closer to that range, and is he even going to get that, or is he going to get something closer to, say, what Rubio got? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would think that he's looking at the Rubio range, frankly. I mean, $17 million a year for Ubre. Seems about right, especially when you look at it from the perspective that Harrison Barnes has done it. And when I say it, I mean performance-wise, he's done it more consistently throughout his career. I mean, Barnes, after he went over to you know Dallas, went 19.2, 18.9, and then last year combined at 16.4, but you know, that still is three years of him performing at that level, shooting mid to high 30% range from three-point range, with Kel- which Kelly Oubre doesn't have. 
Uh, I think I think Barnes has a little bit more uh, more. What's the word I'm looking here for, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has more of a track record, you know, you know that you're getting what you're getting, you know, you've seen him do it year after year, at least recently, whereas Kelly Oubre, I love the guy, don't get me wrong. But when he came to Phoenix, that's when he really kind of started to break out a little bit. And you, you have to wonder if that's something that's going to continue, or if it was something that came about because of whatever the circumstances were. And is it going to be something that he can do consistently? If it is, more power to him. But at the same time, you can't pay a guy for 40. I mean, you can, but I don't see the Suns paying a guy that kind of money for what really amounts to 40 solid games with the Suns when he hasn't shown it consistently throughout his career, especially when, you know, we talked about this before we started recording, but Bobby Marks is saying that the likelihood that he's going to get a big offer sheet and there's going to be a whole lot of, uh, a lot of, it will be interest, but a whole lot of high level interest for him is probably not a likely scenario. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I, from a Suns cap perspective, that's great. I get my, I just, I'm concerned from an attitude perspective how that could affect his, relationship with the team and his desire to play with the energy he did before. I mean, he was, he came in before essentially playing for a contract and now he's going to get that for better or for worse. And what will be potentially be the ramifications of that? If he doesn't get what he thinks he's worth. But then again, right. Jalen, um, I think Jalen Rose put it is you don't get the, um, contracts you're worth you get the contract you have the leverage to get that's a fair point and i think that also Ubre, again this is just purely my opinion but he doesn't come across as the guy and and maybe he wasn't was in washington i don't know i didn't pay attention to him there but watching him on that team on the suns this past season and how he brought the energy brought the swagger to the team he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that is going to give any of that up to the detriment of you know his teammates because he's unhappy with a professional situation. And again, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like from what I've seen, it's not something that's in his in his nature. So, all right, well let's let's take one more break here, and then we'll get into. Well, whatever else, whatever else it is that we're going to get into. Oh, there's a little teaser there. Maybe it's because we don't know yet. We'll talk about it while we take this break, right? We'll be right back. Okay, so let's let's start to wrap up ish, but let's look forward in free agency yep. here. Paul, do you see the Suns making any additional moves during this off season? And I'll ask that question with the presumption that. One move that will be made is Kelly Oubre re-signing with the Suns for whatever value it ends up being. Um, I don't know if I see them making any more like significant moves. I mean, there may be like a couple like you know fill out the end of the roster kind of kind of grabs. Like weirdly, I wouldn't be surprised even with the pickup of uh, Frank Kaminsky if they if Bender was still sitting out there if they gave him a vet men deal. Just to bring him back to be yeah. like the fifteenth man, 
or something like that. Um, so I could see the little things like that. I mean, I don't know the rules with regards to like have, trading Sarich, trading for Sarich or Aaron Baines and what the rules are with a lot, with what they're allowed to do with including them in like future trades. I don't see, they're basically capped out. So there's no real free agents. Any other additional moves would be trade related. So, I mean, anything's possible technically, but so I wouldn't be surprised if something might be more, they might be players at the uh, trade deadline. I don't know if there's going to be much more during this summer. I wouldn't, it could happen. Like I said, I don't know the specific rules about like when Baines and Sarge are available to be uh, combined in trades versus having to be traded like individually, like with what happens during like an in-season trade. Like if, if you're traded, then mm-hmm. if you get traded again, you can only be traded for like equivalent salary. You can't be like grouped in with a larger trade. Right. Yeah. And I guess that, that raises a question. Yeah. Well, like kind of you're getting at the cap thing. I mean, are the Suns at this point pretty much maxed out cap wise with the exception, obviously Ubre has his bird rights. Yeah. He would put them into uh, over the cap clearly. And um, they, he'd put them over the cap and then, uh, but I don't think they hit the tax. They're not close enough to the tax yet. But um, like one interesting thing that is kind of out there that I was just kind of, nosing around a little bit the other day um, while I was paying attention to a couple of moves that the Orlando Magic have been making um, uh, this uh, free agency. They gave a, they gave a new deal to uh, uh, what's the guy? Uh, Vucevic. Yeah. They gave him a new deal and they also brought in Alfreka Minu. So they already have Jonathan Isaac. They already have Mo Bamba. I mean, I know there is talk that they think Mo Bamba is a bust and mm-hmm. Isaac hasn't proven himself yet. But I mean, Mo Bamba had his first year and has was kind of injured for a lot of it. So that's, I feel like that's an overreaction to a guy who basically wasn't able to play his first year. Right. Um. So theoretically, if, Isaac and Mobamba are the future. Plus, they've clearly invested in Vucevic and brought in Aminu. Where does they're just extremely overcrowded in that front court spot? So I'm wondering if Aaron Gordon's available. Hmm. And that's a guy who brings to the table a lot of the things that I feel like the Suns are missing. One from a um, athleticism perspective in the front court defense. Um you know, energy that I, I think he would balance well with like DeAndre Ayton and even like just like, you know, Mikhail Bridges or Kelly Oubre on the other side of that. So that would be a, a piece I'd be interested in, particularly if they want to move off some, uh, you know, if, if they're not having a great season this year and they're looking to kind of clear the decks, that would be an, int- he's a, he would be available and like, you know, his salary is not that different from like say Tyler Johnson that you could, you know, trade, trade out Tyler Johnson and maybe like either Frank or uh, Sarich at the deadline and bring in a guy like Aaron Gordon. And that's a guy we floated around last year. Um, 
just as a potential target for the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, he's a guy that I certainly wouldn't be against bringing in uh, outside of the fact that he's a U of A guy. I think you're right. He would fill some of those holes that the Suns have in terms of athleticism. He can shoot the ball. At least he's shown that he can shoot the ball. Whether he can do it consistently is a different question. And uh, at the end of the day, too, back to a comment you made earlier, he kind of fits within that timeline. You know, he's still a young guy. But it seems like by even delving into that, based on what you're laying out, we're jumping way, 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 ahead. way ahead. And we need to focus on the Let's focus on the present. Well, I mean, is it really way, way, way ahead if those rules do apply? Or like if Sarich and or Baines can be grouped in a trade deal? I mean, obviously you couldn't trade Frank or anybody that we signed in the summer. But I mean, if Sarich is, if the rules allow Sarich to be included in a future trade because it's a new league year or whatever, um, you know, that move could happen during the summer. Sure. I mean, I can run down there. I can run down the uh, point guard list for the Magic right now, and you know maybe they could use a Tyler Johnson. You know they've got DJ Augustine, um, Michael Carter Williams, Troy Coppin. I have no idea who that is. Might just be like a summer league guy. Uh, Markel Fultz. Oh, I forgot Jerry about that Grant. guy. <laughs> Yeah, so did I. And Jerry and Grant, that's not like the most stellar of point guard rotations. How about DeMarcus Cousins not being signed yet? Yeah, that one's interesting. It's interesting, but it's not interesting. I mean, he showed some flashes, but he also showed that he's not there yet. So I can see him having a, hey, you're you're paying me for what I'm going to be once – I'm fully healed right. versus they're like, we're not trusting that that's what you're actually going to be. So we're not going to pay you that. I wouldn't be surprised if he weirdly ends up on the, I mean, what they're the guys who have the room left, but like, let's say that Toronto somehow keeps Kawhi. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on like um, the Lakers or the Clippers. Mm-hmm. The Lakers would be hilarious since like they just put all their money in the front court. Yeah, that would that would be that would be interesting. I I can't see him and LeBron getting along very well. Like Demarcus Cousins comes across as the kind of guy that's going to be like, "Yeah, I'm not taking your shit, LeBron," and <laughs> which makes me actually want that to happen. That would be fantastic. <laughs> There's a fight that's going to happen at some point if 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 uh, he ended up there. Um. So okay. Well, it sounds like then. The thought process right now from your perspective and if you're if i'm understanding you correctly i would tend to agree with you is that the suns are pretty much done <laughs> free agency wise maybe some guys to kind of fill out the roster but probably nothing else coming outside of the presumption that they re-sign Ubre. and and you know how about this i mean i said that 17 million a year would sound about right for Ubre. what do you what do you think a, do you think he's going to end up being re-signed by the Suns? And re-signed, so re-signed, not re-no-signed. And signed versus resigned. Right. And B, assuming you believe that he will be re-signed by the Suns, what do you think he'll end up getting? Um, I think he will be re-signed by the Suns, uh, just because, like, as you said, there isn't a lot of market left. 
for him. So rather than jumping into a new situation where he doesn't know if he's successful, he may go for like a two year deal or something. Cause he wants to get back into free agency after he like mm-hmm. truly proves himself. So I could see maybe going for a shorter deal. Maybe even if he offers to do that, they go for higher money just to be like, okay, you know, this isn't going to mess up our cap super long term. Right. But if, if you outplay this deal, yeah, we'll be more than happy to sign you to a better deal in a couple of years. Um, so that could be interesting. That could be an interesting move. I think, and I think he likes the team. He clearly, you know, has designs of coming back with what well, with the whole Valley Boys thing and whatnot. Right. So, um, my assumption is, um, hold on. Um, from Gambo just tweeted. Uh oh. Nah, don't don't get. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. This is from yesterday. Um, okay. <laughs> it's now it's less interesting. Less interesting, but he said, uh, Gam was saying Kelly Jr., uh, Kelly Ubre is a really good player, and I hope that something gets done. He wants to be here in Phoenix, and he played his ass off for the team. Suns have to keep him. Truly believe that he can be a huge piece moving forward. Suns need to get it done. So it's not just us thinking that he needs to, they need to like do whatever they need to do to keep him. Obviously, within reason. Like, if he's. Being like it's a max or a bust. I mean, he's not a max player, right? But, but I mean, he does do a lot of productive things for us. That I don't know if he, if that would come across on other teams. Yeah, I see what you're well. saying. I see what you're saying. Intangibles, so he can max, right? He can maximize himself best with us. So I think. I think they're, they just kind of need to hash it out and get to a number that everybody's comfortable with. And I think we'll get there. What is that number, Paul? Um, I, I agree probably about the 17 at the yeah. end of the day, because, you know, being that it's a, um, there was a lot of cap space to be thrown around this year. Like the, the cap numbers that were, people were getting were higher than I think a lot of people were maybe prepared for. I mean, it wasn't as crazy as three years ago when you had that first big cap jump. Cause I think some people learned some lessons, but at the same time, that doesn't mean people weren't overpaid because they're because of availability. So I wouldn't be surprised if he arguably gets overpaid, but I don't think it's an overpay. Cause I think he still has some room for growth and he could be one of the few instances where you get a guy who's not a max player outplaying his contract. Right. Right. I see what you're saying. I and yeah, again, I, I tend to agree with you. Now, before we wrap up here, and before I ask you yeah. if you have any final thoughts, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out two things that I've just seen as I've been sifting around on Twitter while I've of course been hanging on your every word. Uh, <laughs> David Nash over at the Four Point Play on Twitter. Uh, seven seconds left. Last podcast, right, Paul? Yep. Um, he tweeted out. Bender last year, 46 games played. Kaminsky last year, 47 games played. Bender on wide open, wide open three pointers, meaning six plus feet, no, no defender around him. 1.8 attempts per game. He shot 22%. Kaminsky on those wide open three pointers shot 2.7 attempts per game and shot 37.3%. So there's, there's a little perspective in terms of what they're getting when it comes to Kaminsky versus 
Bender, even though Kaminsky, you know, hasn't lived, well, shoot, I guess neither one of them has really lived up to what one would have expected back when they were drafted in their respective years. And the other thing I'll leave you with is, excuse me, a tweet from Dave King at Dave King NBA, of course. And he's saying that if the Suns move on from Jackson, Melton, and Okobo, as we can expect them to because of what they picked up in this year's draft, that means that the only players remaining on the roster from McDonough's last day in the front office would be Aiton, Booker, and Bridges, which is quite interesting considering, you know, the youth of the team and how much turnover that is in a period of nine months. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, wow, that's, yeah, that's a lot. But hey, I think it's all been positive. I think it's all been positive. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, Paul. I'm optimistic. Yeah. And I'm that Jackson move kind of ha- pretty much has to happen. Because to be able to actually sign Rubio, they mm-hmm. they need they agreed to a deal worth more than what they have, so they're doing something. Yep, I agree. So, all right, Paul. Well, let's wrap this up. Any last thoughts, my friend? Um, just a reminder that uh, Saturday night, if you're in Vegas um, and you're a Suns fan, you're going to summer league, or even if you're not going to summer league, you just happen to be in Vegas. Um, we're having a meetup, uh, and even if you're not a Suns fan. Bill, <laughs> yeah. Hey, sure. Uh, We're an inclusive still, group, which is, a, which is a restaurant inside the Mirage at 8 p.m. Uh, as I said on Saturday night. So, looking forward to seeing anyone there who's able to make it. Absolutely, it's, it it was a good time last year. It'll be a good time this year. And summer league, notwithstanding the fact that a lot of us who are going out Friday through Sunday present company included will only get to see one Suns game that won't feature either of the first round draft picks whole different topic which we've already addressed but it's still a great time every year so if you're making it out come hang out enjoy summer league if you're not making it out then think about it next year summer league like i said always a good time and we will go ahead and we'll wrap up this episode Uh, as always like i say like we say on the pod here you can follow us catch us on twitter i'm at so says jay paul at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, thank you for listening and have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Nothing, Paul? Nothing? Nope. All right. Just